Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we talk about the Overwatch League matches, Sinatra's retirement, and the news with the Vancouver Titans. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's gameplay section of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you've been having a great week, staying safe, happy, healthy, hopefully finding some ways to entertain yourselves during the, uh, the quarantines. How's your games this week been, Kevin, and you're just, your video gaming in general? Um, it's been pretty fun, honestly. Uh, I got to watch my collegiate team play a little bit. Um, I, I had to stand in for them for a little bit because their tank players weren't online at the moment. So uh-huh. I got to play a couple of games back on the collegiate level, which was kind of, it was fun. Uh, I, I just had to get the team up to the same speed that I'm at um, or that I was back in the day. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it does take a little bit of getting used to, but I feel like honestly, uh, Art you Ruby, you guys are doing great. Um, you guys just need to, be a little bit more vocal. Uh, I, I know I'm the coach and all, but I shouldn't be the one making your calls every single round. Uh, you guys gotta, gotta think for yourselves, man. Like, I, if I'm not there, what are you guys gonna do? Uh, right. But honestly, like, very good mechanics, honestly. Just, you know, gotta refine some kinks, make sure that everybody gets some practice time in. Um, and yeah, it honestly, it, w- it was really eye-opening for me. I was really glad that we got to see it um, all, all come together. Um, but I'm just waiting for them to get a couple more scrimmages and more games in, and then uh, hopefully after COVID nineteen, we could we can get back to some tournaments and start start taking names again. Yeah, playing anything other than Overwatch? Uh yes, I have been playing a lot of Valorant as well. Um, it is just because I, I got a key, um, and some of my friends want to play it, so. I'm on there playing with half CSGO players and half Overwatch players. So you get like, get a difference of mentality in both of them. Um, but honestly, it is, it is a fun game. It's worth taking a shot at. But um, yeah, if, if you can play Valorant, go, go and try it at least once. It, it may not be your cup of tea, but uh, it, it's at a level for me. I'm, you know, I'm a tank main. I'm more mechanics, more, can, more mechanically like, hinged on abilities so like i'm used to you know having diva rockets or you know boosters or you know bubbles and shields and stuff like that i'm so used to having that as like a crutch almost that my gunplay isn't as great as it could be and then people right. who come from csgo are like dude just click the head and i'm like i i, I got the shoulder twice like <laughs> they're like but that's not the head like you're not gonna get one tap and i'm like oh man so um lucky luckily for me i am slowly getting used to it but at the same time like overwatch is still really good um in terms of comp it's fun it's fun this week it was uh now and i had to get used to the new one i've heard that um that the spread of the gunfire in valorant's really wonky oh it is weird as heck man okay so in overwatch we're used to running around and shooting stuff right like yeah if you're not moving, you're dead, right? That's the rule in Overwatch. Like, 
you, you get up to the high ground, you shoot, you shoot for a little bit, you, you leave, you go somewhere else, you shoot somewhere else, you, you run and gun. It's always run and gun, right? It's like you're playing uh, Doom. In it's a, like you're playing in Doom. A, yeah, it's like it's multiplayer Doom, essentially. Yeah. Um, in Valorant, there's a, there's a thing in there where you're only 100% accurate when you're standing completely still. <laughs> so there will be fights where you're, you're running out. You're like, okay, I could hard run out and then like shoot someone. Yeah, you can maybe like get some shots that are accurate, but like if you're strafing left and you're trying to shoot something at the same time, you're going to be off by a little bit. So if you stand completely still, you're like, I, I, can, I can tap that. I could just get the, get the headshot there. But at the same time, like the sprays, something that like it's going to take me a while to get used to. Like, like it's very tap present. Like you have to stand still, tap your mouse a couple times, and hope that you hit where you need to hit. Um, but there have been games where I'm like, I'm literally drawing a circle around my opponent, <laughs> and like they just happen to get the one shot that hits me in the foot, and I die. Like it's it's one of those one of those games where you're like, oh okay, it's just one of those rounds. Okay, I see. Uh, <laughs> But honestly, like, if you're more into the running gun, just Overwatch. It's still still the game for me. It, like, you know, I feel like I'm doing something other than being dead weight. Um, but in Valorant, like, it does take a lot of getting used to, at least at least for Overwatch players. All right. So it's uh, like the matches, like, it's your the, – the, the safest place is right in front of you. Yes. And it does, like the, – the safest place is when you're standing completely still and shooting something. <laughs> uh it does take a lot of getting used to because like in overwatch you're used to tracking somebody like like a far off flying in the air you're like okay yeah they're gonna move so you tap 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 you follow their movement right in in valorant like you see somebody they see you you're both standing still you're like okay okay pull out the gun that you need to hit them with then then click them like it's really funny um just to see some of the a little bit of the gameplay at least at my level because I'm not great but it's it's just yeah. kind of funny to see it um but yeah I, I can't wait to see you know some of the pros move over um and see what they have to do but you know some some people are still going to stick to Overwatch since it is a defined scene already so uh yeah it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic uh, how, how have your games been? Uh, you've been still playing in your in your league? Did you? Yeah, did you yeah. Win? We've got a, a game coming up this weekend, an actual match. So we're going to be prepping for that this week. Um, last week we had a, a very – we didn't have a match over the weekend. We just kind of had a, a very chill practice week. We spent one of our practices just going on, uh, on deathmatch and playing heroes we don't normally play with. Um, I've discovered that I'm a passable McCree player. I never really liked playing McCree until I just decided, you know what, let's just try him for this because we're we're just goofing around playing with heroes you don't normally play with. And I'm just like, oh, I'm actually getting first place with this McCree. What's going on? So that was fun. Um, outside of Overwatch, I've just been doing... What have I been doing? Oh, I've been playing Uncharted. The Uncharted games are free on... Uh, they're free on the PlayStation Network right now for PS Plus players. Um, I bought them a while ago. So I didn't get the, have the added bonus of them being free except for the fourth one. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty fun. The gunplay is, uh, it's a little substandard, but then again, these games were made for the PS3. Um, 
but like I, I enjoy them for like the adventure aspect of it and just like obsessively checking every corner to see if there's a treasure hidden somewhere. Yeah, it is it is something that like I've always wanted to do. Um play like you know adventure games. I'm still working on Persona. Uh but it it's just me that I'm slow and I kinda wanna play it on stream. So it, there's moments where I'm like, oh I can I can play this game, but then sometimes I'm just like I, I wanna do it with people watching. All right. Now that we've We've checked in on our gaming for the week. Let's get into the the league stuff. Um, so this week we abandoned that one time four day experiment with nine matches. We're back to our our, our five day our, our five matches for two days. Um, so this week on day one we had the Dynasty versus the Spark, Charge versus Dragons, the NYXL versus the Hunters. The Rain versus the Fusion, the Shock versus the Valiant, and this is the first time we've really had a really big Asian team pool to go into the the virtual um, matchups, I guess. Um, and on day two, we saw the um, the Spark versus Hunters, the Charge versus the NYXL, the Dragons versus the Dynasty, the Mayhem versus the Uprising, and the Fuel versus the Outlaws. Um, but going back to day one, um, it was really interesting. This was Every single match that happened was a 3-0. I was really, I, I was expecting it from some teams, not from others. Um, but saying that it is one of the, um, it, it's all 3-0s, it's, it, it's kind of, how should I say this? Um, looking at it just as each team is 3-0ing, it's, it's difficult to say that because some of these were very, very close. Like the, the rain versus the fusion match was it was it went on for so long because both teams had multiple tries to attack the point like if you look at that volskaya map which we'll talk about it later um it went on to the third round for each attack for both teams so um sometimes the way i choose to watch matches is i just look at the the scores because i wake up late and i don't want to watch these at 1 a.m um and like Sometimes I'll decide watching a match if it's an upset or if it was a close match. Sometimes I'll look at a 3-0 and it's like, oh, it was a 3-0. I don't really need to watch that one. But like looking at that Rain v. Fusion match, it's like, okay. So the 3-0 shows you who won and how what the record and the, the point differential is going to be. But it doesn't really tell you what happened during the match. Yeah, I get that a lot, honestly. Um, when it comes down to, like, 3-0s, most people think, oh, it's an easy sweep, whatever. But it's not until you watch every single match that you realize, wait, this this one went to round six. This was heavily contested. There's a reason why these teams, you know, went the distance. Um, yeah, it's not always such a cut-and-paste cut story. Uh, there's a lot to take in on on every single map. Um, so honestly, like if somebody says, "Oh, it was a good game," like this was a really good match, even if it's a three zero, like you don't realize how much pressure was there. Right. It could literally be like a three zero, and it was like ninety nine ninety nine every time, and just one team happened to get lucky with uh, a usage, and they just happened to win that three in a row. Um, so th that's a thing that I there's a lot to watch and I'm going to try, I'm trying not to overload myself with watching it, but 
it's a thing to remain cognizant of when we're watching like even even people who aren't us who don't do this for a podcast for a job like it's a thing to be aware of um out of the day one matches which ones did you watch i think the only one i didn't watch was charge v dragons oh no i didn't watch the uh, shock versus valiant actually i didn't watch that one either i watched a little bit of the shock versus the valiant um i i didn't really get a lot of this in uh, i've been prepping for another another tournament that's coming up so Ooh. uh I've been watching a lot. I've been watching the highlights for a lot of these matches, uh -huh. but I haven't been able to like sit down and take it all in. Also, mm -hmm. last week was a birthday weekend, so I was. Oh yeah, forgot about that. Happy quite birthday. a bit. Uh, thanks. How was that for uh, you? What'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? What did I do? I uh, on the twenty fifth, uh, I took. I went out to Ranch ninety nine, uh, and I bought myself a lot of sushi i bought myself like 40 dollars worth of fish Ooh. and i cut it up and i turned it into a work of art uh i do have photos um that i can i can send over to you so you eventually. made your own but sushi? it is like i made a sushi cake essentially oh. it's like cupcakes which are lined with sushi rice on the inside and then you put in like a seaweed salad or a type of fish in it um, you drizzle sriracha mayo and unagi sauce on it, and then you present the fish on top as well. Um, it's just like a really, uh, I, how can I explain it? It's kind of over the top, but it's something that like I definitely like to present my food that way. If it, if it's gonna look, if I'm gonna eat it, I want it to look good too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like food is art. Food is art, especially when you put it on the plate. Uh, the right way. So, yeah, I'm actually I'm gonna send you that link over uh over Facebook so you could at least have a peek at what I was making here. Oh, this is a very vibrant. Oh, oh, that is beautiful. Oh my God, you made that? Yeah, I I, I do these on occasion uh, if fish is available. So, uh, I did all oh, that. Yeah. I drank some sake with it. You know, had to. Had to go out. Had to go all out with it. I'm gonna. That's gonna go on. I haven't posted to the socials in a while, but that's going on the socials because holy crap, that's beautiful. Yeah. Whenever quarantine ends, I'll send you. I'll send you a cake. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> For both of us being 25, we'll we'll send a send a good cake out. Dude, I saw someone who got who actually got the. Uh... The 25 cake they put the spongebob cake that i wanted they posted it It looked so beautiful i'm gonna yeah. i'm seriously gonna buy myself that and just like throw a party on the beach with my friends when this is all over there you go okay anyway let's get back to to the actual reason we have a podcast the overwatch league um so uh the first match that i watched was the dynasty versus the spark the dynasty haven't played since week eight um they ran uh, their their match set was Busan, Volsky, and Dorado. Um, this was a 3-0 against the the Spark. Uh, I was hoping to see the the Dynasty take this in a very definitive fashion, and they did. This was actually the first time that the Soul Dynasty have ever beaten the Spark. Um, so big, like just a big big comeback for them, a big reintroduction into the league. Um, they were still very very strong in spite of like the four week gap they had since playing. Um, 
just in general, like they they outplayed the spark at every turn. There wasn't really anything specific that they did. Um, I think that they were just mechanically better. Fitz got player of the match for his McCree because he was he was just very dominant on the field. Um, lots of huge damage output. Um, he was very easily able to counter the spark running the Soldier 76 and the Sombra and Zenyatta. Um, that just wasn't a very good pick against what the the dynasty were running. They were running a Sombra of their own some of the time. They were running a very divey composition. They were very mobile, um, running things like McCree, the Sombra, the Winston, a Diva. Um, and it, it just, playing dive for them was a lot more dominant than whatever, whatever, the, the there was a lot of meta coming out of the, the Spark. Um, McCree, May, a lot of the time. But yeah, a very good show for the first time that the, the dynasty had been back. Didn't so, go so well the next day but we will get into that. Um, when it comes down to this match, um, the Dynasty and the Spark do have a long history. Um, the Spark is like the almost a flagship of uh, Chinese teams when they picked up Gushui. Um, and the Dynasty are completely revamped. Well, th- ever since they picked up uh, Profit, it's totally, totally a different team. Um, they are playing a lot cleaner. And I was really surprised, honestly, that this was a 3-0. Um, the Spark are usually a very, like, straightforward, clean team, but Soul was just playing out of their mind here. Yeah, they, they got the one, they, their debut at least was a win. Um, not so much the second day, but we'll get into that later. Um, so the NY, something my throat, the NYXL versus the Hunters was the next matchup that I watched this weekend. Um, the NYXL lost to the Clown Fiesta. That is the Hunters' last time that they played um, last year. Um, and the NYXL haven't played since week five. I believe that they are in Korea right now because most, most of not all the team is Korean. So they're all over there. Um, and, well, I, I'm very – this is very interesting for me, their, their match set, their map set, because they went to Oasis, Paris, and Dorado. I thought they got rid of Paris from the rotation. So, I'm very surprised to see that it was that teams did play here this week. At least we didn't see um, Horizon, but I was complete. I was under the impression that we're not going to see Paris anymore. So, um, just something to keep in mind. But anyway, uh, looking at this match matchup, there, there was there was literally no life from the Hunters. The the NYXL were completely dominant. Like. If you look at it, in the first map on Oasis, on the city center part, at one point there were only three kills so far from, I think it was like, what, three kills pretty much the entire map from um, the Hunters, and all of them were from Jinmu, who I say is the only bright spot on the Hunters team. I think, I honestly, I think Jinmu's wasted on the Hunters. I think he needs to leave this team because although some people do like them and they, they do get the wins i think they're too inconsistent and that they that in general it's just been their wonkiness that wins them the game sometimes i think jinmu needs to move to a better team because i think without him uh the hunters would utterly collapse um this was also a more meta week for the chengdu hunters they were they tried running they tried the weird clown fiesta stuff at the very beginning on this first part of oasis they ran a, a Genji, a Sombra, a Hammond, a Diva, a Zen, and a Brig. Um, did not work. The Hunters just got completely swept. Um, 
it was the meta for the rest of the match was pretty much McCree, McCree May, um, Reinhardt, Sigma, maybe a Diva, and a Baptiste, a Lucio, or an Ana, just depending on what they wanted to run. There was always going to be a Lucio. Um, but there, there's just the, the difference in between the, the NYXL and the Paris is, is huge. Um, like if you look at, if you look at Paris, when they, when they attacked on their second map, they didn't really, they hadn't used a sink when they got to the second point, they hadn't even used a single ultimate and like, they were still utterly steamrolling. There's, they're so clean. They were so clean. Like I don't know what they were been doing in those five weeks, but it's it's been huge. What they have they gotten since week five? I f- I feel like honestly they they probably were just boot camping for a long time and they were just feeling it. So I'm really glad that you know NYXL's at least showing you know we're we're still good. We can still do this. Um, but yeah, the the hunters they do have a lot of like solid players. I just don't feel like they're cohesive enough once again. Um, and especially going up against a top tier team like the NYX, you are gonna, you're gonna have a hard time. Yeah, like for me, I think the key, the key point in between the two was that the NYXL were a lot cleaner and they were the more aggressive and better able to utilize their ults. Like they're chasing the hunters all the way back to their spawn. They're just like they're spawn camping them so hard, and it was just kind of it was sad. It was a sad. It's like as much as I don't like the hunters. It was sad to see them get rolled so hard by a team that hasn't been playing. So moving on to the Rain versus the Fusion. This is the matchup that, like like I said, this was extremely, extremely close. Um, Nepal was, was pretty one-sided in, in favor of the Fusion. Um, like, they, they won it on two maps. But when you get to the Volskaya, this went to... This, this went to three rounds of attacking. Like, I, it's – and even then, like, the rain could have easily taken this. They started the round three matchup with 11, with a, a better time bank than the Fusion. Um, I'm very surprised – the thing about this matchup is that um, besides how, how even the teams were, the, the, besides the fact that the, the rain could have taken this and that it went for so long and that both of these teams are clearly um, – they're they're very they're clearly very mechanically gifted. The the fusion were just a little bit better, um, but the ash play was so much better this week than it was last week. Like the last week, the valiant tried to use the ash, but it didn't really work. But this week, both of these teams pulled out an ash, and it was the just the ash battles were so effective. Like it's not even Bob; it's just being able to to have that range and be able to have that adaptability with. Um, with being able to contest the point with a bob, it's not going to do that much damage, but it's another body on point that the teams are going to have to to, to contest. Um, and again, this is also this is also the matchup when the casters made fun of Chipset again. Chipset in his zero stats. Yeah, uh, I I do want to touch on that whole uh, Ash play. This is something that that I've seen at least the the fusion um, have never pulled out the Ash before, but the Atlanta Reign have done it before. And it's actually during a really important matchup. Um, it was on Hanamura and uh, Baby Bay was on it. It's one of those things where you don't expect to see an Ash in any game, but you don't realize how much damage they're doing with Dynamite every single time that they land it. So 
Yeah, you get to play that kind of... I, I consider Ash kind of a mid-range character. Yeah. They can't do as much like damage as like a Widow. Widow could play like any distance, right? But they're, they have a solid amount of range, plus they have something... They have an ability in their kit that can hit multiple targets at the same time. Mm-hmm. So and it builds up ults so fast. Yeah, and it, you, you get Bob like every other fight, minimum. If you play it correctly, it's like the same way I mean, how you play. I think with on Volskaya animes. there was a fight where he got where there was a bot. I don't remember who got it, but two bobs in a single fight. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you leave them unchecked, the Ash will do damage. Um, and I don't think that there's anybody else who can play it better other than Carpe and and Baby Bay. Do you think that we're gonna see more Ash now that these two teams have demonstrated how effective it is, or? our team's just going to still go to their comfort pick and it's only the teams that are really that really know how to play Ash that are going to use it. When it comes down to this matchup, um, just seeing the way how Ash is being played, I don't think it's going to be a mainstay. I don't think okay. that every team is going to pick up Ash all of a sudden and she's going to be a great pick. Uh, I do feel like she's really good on 2CP or like the assault maps just because if you're on defense, you have that high ground advantage to kind of poke and set up where you need to. But on offense, you still have the option of using Bob as another person on point. So it does make it a little bit harder for the other team to, to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly do like the way how it's, it's being played out. Um, the, playing Ash on these kinds of maps does one of two things. Um, first of all, it shows how effective you can play a different hero and the mentality and flexibility of your DPS players, which is really good, especially for the Fusion and the Atlanta Reign. Um, the other thing, this is something that like not a lot of teams take into consideration, but it gives the other teams who are trying to get research on you unusable information if you are playing Ash. Uh, let's say if you play Ash one week, right? Um, they're like, oh, okay, so they, they can pick up Ash. They can do that. They can maybe play Widow, whatever, right? They're not studying the way how you're going to be playing the next round. Right. Uh, they're too busy thinking about, oh, is, there's an Ash. Um, but honestly, having Ash in the pool uh, is really interesting. Uh, and it, at, at least for me, this was a very cool pick. I do like seeing Ash gameplay mid-range dealing damage, using it the same way how you would use like an Ananade um, for Dynamite. It's that kind of mentality that I really do like uh, coming out of these two teams. To me, it is surprising about how, how, how the Bob is just mainly not about getting the kills. It's just distracting and, and having a body on point. Because like it, it's easy enough to take care of the Bob, just sleep it or put it behind an ice wall. Um, we saw that on Volskaya. Bob got ice balled and slept and essentially um, was a non-issue for that entire fight. Um, but like when in, in down in our, our lower slug fest games in the silver and, and gold and bronze matches that I'm playing in, um, people generally try to use Bob to, to get the kills. It's not, it's not, it's a very different way that the league is using a Bob. Yeah, the way how most people use Bob, they're like, oh, he's, he's just like a moving turret, right? Like, you just throw yeah. him somewhere and he's just a damage dealer. Um, the thing that Bob does is that it contests a point and he's a, you know, 1,200 HP body. Um, 
and also technically he's a turret. Uh, but the the main purpose of a Bob is not to deal damage. It's mm-hmm. to force your opponents to play around the position that he's at. So the best way to think about it is like use Bob the same way how you would use Blizzard. It's you, you throw him out somewhere and the other team has to scatter away from him or at least away from his line of sight. Um, and if they do that, they could be putting themselves in a worse position for you. So um, my fun example is on Blizzard World, if you're going on point two, you know, the, the one where there's high ground and low ground, you throw it right underneath the Blizzard World sign if you're on attack. And what it does is like the, the Reinhardt has to deal with that. They either have to sleep it immediately or they have to look at it. And if they're looking at Bob, their backs are turned towards you who is pushing the cart. So that's how you want to play. You want to make them like panic over where they need to hide and what's the correct answer here. So kind of like it's it's a it's a way to do a pincer technique without actually like risking one of your players. Exactly. Yeah, that that is the way to do it. Or you can use it this you can use it as a pincer attack. Throw the bob back there with like a Reinhardt or an Arista shield. Then they they're kind of just chilling on their own over there. And the rest of your team is just pushing in with it. Mm-hmm. And like, as much as like they don't use the bob for damage, like you can't ignore the bob damage. Like, if you ignore it, then that's that's also not how to play. Um, and yeah, once again, Overwatch is a game of resources. Um, if you, for example, the the coolest thing that most people do is they'll throw out Bob to bait out on a sleep. Because on a sleep dart will instantly sleep Bob, right? Like when it happens, you you sleep Bob. That's the first thing. So what you do is you throw out Bob and then they're like, oh, okay, it's Bob. Like we should sleep it. So let's say they sleep it, right? The next thing that follows that up is a May Blizzard. Like <laughs> May can't get slept. She doesn't have to cryo freeze unless she puts herself in danger. And it's essentially like, you know, a, a free use there. You don't have to worry about another form of CC. It's, it's already there. All right, let's move on to day two. Actually, no, did you watch any of the, like, did you have any comments on the, the Valorant versus the Shock? Because I didn't watch that one. The Valiant, not the Valorant. Yeah, the, the Valiant versus the Shock. Um, the only thing that I, I mean, can Shock say about this Valorant is, Valorant is happening like, in a completely different context. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Shock versus the Valiant was a very, it, it was a very kind of, kind of a basic game, honestly. But, um, if, if anything, it just shows that the Shock finally got their revenge on the Valiant after losing to them early in the season. This is like the the other time that they finally get to slap back. So um, they're showing that there there are a lot of bright spots on the Shock um, with Sinatra not playing as much um, and now not playing for them, period. Uh, so they, they're still going to be a solid team. They're not going to be a team that you need to discount. They have a lot to work with. Um, so honestly, I'm, I'm glad that like this team is is still pulling forward. Uh, it's just another California cup matchup. So, uh, honestly, it was a good game. Uh, it was, it was a fun one to watch. I mean, if anything, the, what the San Francisco, the San Francisco shock have been doing these last couple of weeks is proving that they, as, as good as Sinatra was and as iconic as he was and as useful and helpful as he was the last season, they don't need him in their team like yeah it's sad to see him go but they'll be just fine 
Yeah, it's one of those things where you're you're watching the team and you know how good they are with Sinatra and now now they have to be great um as well without him. They think they can't just say, "Oh, Sinatra was our only good player." That team is stacked. Like <laughs> there there's a reason why during the World Cup it was literally San Francisco Shock versus half of the San Francisco Shock. Like that was their team. It was mm-hmm. half of Team Korea and half of Team USA put together. So, yeah, they are going to be a great team. They are going to have great players. It's just a matter of how well they use that. They can't, like, lean on the crutch of, oh, we have Sinatra, so we're good. They're, they're great. They're great players. They just have to not define the San Francisco Shock as Sinatra's team. It is there, There's a lot of other great players on that team uh like for Choi Hyobin like he could easily be an MVP candidate later down the line oh yeah so probably one of the best sure. off tanks in the game um he plays amazing yeah like you have him you have you have super who's great on great on the Reinhardt uh you have moth who's the cool calm and collected like player you have a whole bunch of just great talent on that team um it's just a matter of honing it together and making sure that they can push through. So I, I really want the, them to do good. Uh, and I'm assuming they are. Um, it's just because they lost Sinatra doesn't mean that they're going to be a garbage team. They, they still have a lot of pieces to work with. Yeah, they're still very clearly a top tier team. Um, so moving on to day two, again, we had Spark the Hunters, Dragons versus Dynasty, Charge versus the NYXL, Mayhem versus the Uprising, and the Fuel versus the Outlaws. I think the only match this weekend that wasn't a 3-0 was the Fuel v. Outlaws, the Battle for Texas, which we'll get into later. I just thought this was a very interesting thing. Like, this was almost Steamroll weekend. Yeah, I didn't see any of the Spark the Hunters because, um, again, not discounting the fact that I said the 3-0 doesn't tell you how close it was. Um, the Spark won it. I don't like watching the Hunters if I don't have to. I'm going to have to next week because they're playing important teams. But when I can avoid it, I will. Um, but moving on to Dragons versus the Dynasty. This was a very interesting match because going into this round, like, I think everyone was expecting something huge because the Dragons are, are one of the they're, – they're the best team in the Asia region. Like, people are touting them as the, the, one of the top three teams in the league, just period. Um, and, and the dynasty just had such a dominant showing the day before. Um, they've been a very high tier team in the past. They've had some fluctuations, but if the day before was anything to judge by, like this was going to be—I can't remember who said it. Might have been, it might have been Bren, who said that this was like supposed to be a, a, a finale, like World Cup caliber match. What before we get into it? What were you expecting? I honestly was expecting that. Uh, Bren had the same idea that I did. We, were, I was thinking, you know what? This is the best that Korea could offer. This is the best that China could offer. This is going to be probably like one of the best head-to-head matches uh, that we're going to be seeing coming into it. But uh, it, it went not not that way at all. <laughs> this wasn't even a close 3-0. This was like... <sighs> this was full holds almost all the way this was very very sad i don't i don't know what it was i think the only time that the dragons had any trouble at all was maybe on hanamura where 
I mean, the dynasty did make it to second point, but the dragons still held pretty dominantly. Um, I, I honestly, I, I don't know what the difference was between the days because the day before they were pretty dominant. Like this is why the expectations were so high. Um, the, tech, the, the dragon, is it just that the dragons are that good and that, the way that I think that they explained it at the very end is that the dragons are a good team and the, the dynasty are a good team, but the, the gap in between the level of the dragons and the level of the dynasty is greater than the, the space in between the dynasty and all the other Asian teams. Yeah. I, I feel like the dragons are kind of playing on a completely different level here. Uh, they're, they're an amazingly clean team. And the dynasty are strong. Yes, I'm not gonna discount that. It's just, uh, yeah, they they didn't find it here. Um, they they're playing as at the best of their ability, but it's just not. It wasn't clicking for them, uh, especially for for this match. Okay, so they're playing, they're playing the other two Asian teams. They're we're gonna get to see how they how they fare. Well, we'll get into the schedule. Uh, later on but there are a couple matches here that i really want to highlight oh yeah there's definitely some that i really want to see but like dynasty speaking how do you feel i i if had they won this week i think i would have thought that that they definitely had a, had they won this i mean or at least lost this a little bit closer i would think that they would definitely roll both of these teams but now i'm not so sure I still think that they're going to do really good against the other Chinese teams. I think that when they were playing against the Dragons, like it, it felt like it wasn't close at all. Um, but I feel like it could have been like a sense of fatigue for them. Like they've never played against another Chinese team and they just so happened to get the Hunters on the first day. It might have, mm-hmm. you know, boosted them a little bit too much. And they're like, oh, okay, we can take on any team. And then the Dragons the next day and they're like, this is something else. Like we weren't ready. Um, but honestly, I think it was just like a difference of mentality. The dragons are playing very well and, you know, the dynasty are trying to play at that level as well. But, um, I I just feel like it is two different schools of thought coming into this. Uh Uh-huh. Well, we'll see how that plays out. I I really hope that maybe this, that they, they don't get too cocky now that, Maybe that's what happened the day after day one, like you said. Like maybe they, having faced that Chinese team and, and won fairly dominantly, they were overconfident. So um, maybe wake up call this week. Maybe take the Chinese teams a little bit more seriously and maybe play a little bit cleaner. We'll see. Yeah. So moving on to the charge versus the NYXL. Um, I, 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 Contrary to how the Soul were playing, how they they dominated one day, completely got rolled the next day. The NYXL are still looking very very clean. Um, the NYXL and the Charge have only played once before, and this was back when it was I think. Um, for I don't know what how this I forgot how the schedule actually used to go before, but it was a four zero for the Charge, so um, an utter stomp on the NYXL. But this was just so it's just a continuation of how clean they're playing. Um, it's very clean on, on, from everybody. Sabiobe just looking beautiful on his, his DPS. Mono getting player of the match. Like their, their tank line is also very, very stable. Their Ryan Sigma was definitely cleaner than the Ryan Diva. 
Which brings me to a question, like, both the, the Sigma and the Diva definitely have their uses. Um, and it flops back and forth which teams are more successful, but um, as a tank, what would you prefer your, your line to be running current as, as it stands right now with looking at how these matches are going? What, what do you think is the better pick? Um, honestly, it depends on the team and the map. This is something that like a lot of people have issues with uh, trying to figure out like, oh, should we run should we run the Diva with the Rhine or should we run Sigma with the Rhine? Um, it depends on what you're using it for. Once again, uh, Diva can get to high ground and can test quick. Like if they have a Widow or they have somebody who plays in the back line, um, for example, like the first map, they, they were running uh, Diva into a Soldier 76. That was the correct correct choice here. You want to you want to apply pressure to that seventy six, um, but on the other hand, if you're playing like defense, you you want a sigma. He's right close to your team. You you can lock down things a little bit quicker. You have the absorb ability still. Um, you, I think that you know the nine hundred shield is really nice. Um, you just have a lot more things to deal with. Uh, sigma really hard counters diva in terms of like. You know, you throw a rock at a at a robot, and they try to throw a defense matrix up. It doesn't work. The DM does not block rock, so Sigma could just throw a rock. You can try to DM it. You're gonna get hit in the face. That's just how. That's the counterplay. Um, right. Diva doesn't really have an out to to Sigma in any way, so um, it does depend on the matchup. Uh, what are you using the Diva for? Are you using it to harass the the Sigma? Are you using it to Harass the 76, like it, it totally depends on the mentality. But um, we know who came out on top in this matchup. Uh, I felt like the Sigma just was a lot better. It alleviated a lot of the pressure um, from the Reinhardt. So Ryan could actually play a little bit more um, mm-hmm. aggressive compared to the way how you have to play with a Ryan Diva. I think also the fact that you can stagger that Diva so hard is also a, a factor in it too. Yeah, um, brutally staggering somebody, especially a diva, makes the team like second guess their push, and it also burns clock, especially if you're trying to like secure a point down or trying to trying to get the last point contest. That that's just the way to go. Right. Um, another question. So, like in in general, like the hero for the support lines, you're gonna have a Lucio guaranteed almost if he's available um and break you typically use for like close quarters or if you're running like a death ball or very brawly comp but then again a lot of teams differ on whether they want to choose the baptiste or the anna um i typically i don't i can't play Ana because i can't snipe but if i when i do play baptiste i do like how much utility he does have with um the the amp matrix which it's kind of like a long range. Uh, I, I think of it as a long range supercharge or um, nano boost. Um, but also with his immortality field, it, it's a lot of survivability. Um, I know a lot of teams like running the Ana because you can uh, nano boost onto the Rhine and just get some very clean uh, point contest kills. Where, where would you go there on, on which pick is better? Yeah, this is this is a huge debate that we always have um, in terms of team lineups. Um, my team likes to lean more towards Ana just because of what she can give. Um, 
but it does depend once again it depends on the enemy team and what they're running um Baptiste is good for surviving like one like massive burst abilities um so for example first first point busan on mecha base like if you have a baptiste versus a diva diva throws bomb you throw you throw immortality field on the ground you save your team like that's it's like having a free trans uh yeah. like having a free trans uh transcendence it's easy um you can't do that with an Ana. You you can hide behind a corner maybe, and that's right. it. Um, but you have the, the thing that Ana, yeah, that's the thing that's the big difference. Like, do you want immortality field, which is you know twenty second cooldown, or do you want the ability to prevent healing period with with antinade? Mm-hmm. Um, also, sleep dart. I forgot about it, that. It, yeah, sleep dart prevents you from getting dove on. If you get dove on as Baptiste, the only thing you could do is jump. <laughs> and where are you jumping? Like straight up, you're just gonna get shot. So it it really depends on what your team likes to run and what they're what they're running it with. Um like Anna at least has the sleep dart to protect yourself, can heal herself um rather quickly. Um and you know, nano is nice and all. Um it, it's good for saving teammates if you also need to contest, but also immortality field. Uh, it's just such a it's a good ability, and Baptiste counts as a second hit scan if you really need it. I don't like his gun though. I I don't like the the triple burst guns. I'm fine with Lucio just because I like the mobility, but I really don't like playing his gun. I let when I play Baptiste, I pretty much only use the healing gun. Yeah, that's one thing that I did change honestly for. For myself, this is just a personal preference. I changed my heal to to left click and my attack to right click. It's just something that's easier for me to think about. I think for me, the point that really like that really proved which team was going to win this was was on map one. Like if you watched Busan, Mecha Base was still um it was still a very clear NYXL win, but like it was still early. And all right, they'll 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 come back after this. NYXL is a strong team. We'll see if the charge can pull out anything. But like watching downtown on Busan, the NYXL were pretty much. I think they were. They they were down to what, one one person. They, there was a five kill off of I believe. There was a five kill from from the charge and they were all ready to capture this point, take it and win it. The New York XL re-engaged it in OT and just, just took it completely. Like, I don't know. I, I have to watch it again to get the specifics. Cause I was just so flabbergasted at the time. But I think after that first domination by the NYXL, do you think that it, it was a mind game at that point? Just being utterly dominated on a point they should have taken. Yeah, I do feel like that does slow down some of the momentum, especially that the charge we're trying to trying to build up, especially on the first map. It's kind of demoralizing losing a map and that like, close. Was OT too. Um, like this was the charge's map to win. Yeah, it it you lose so much what's confidence going into it, and it's just really like sad. You're just like, okay, well, what what can we even do? We tried our best there. We we didn't even get. It we didn't get close or anything um i felt like there needed to be a mental reset for them like that you need to take a time and just be like you know what it's okay like we're okay we don't need to worry about that that was just one map yeah um 
but it they did kind of let it get to them uh, especially as it went on um because they were like oh man if we just roll with momentum we would have we would have taken them to another map we would have had this we so on and so on but um yeah I, I felt like it did play into them a little bit and i mean like i think this is a very this is very new for me to notice this season as opposed to last season but like teams i noticed are taking these fights that no one would expect them to like i wouldn't have expected the new york in, uh, to re-engage at this point and, and and much less win it too um this season i think is like very dominated by like the mentality that no fight is ever lost until it's until like you have no men on point yeah no fight is over till it's over that's just the way how you have to play every map um, right because like i, I understand that like it's like if you if you're down one or two like you step back and reset but like teams aren't doing that this season they're they're getting very scrappy on these fights they're they're holding out for the hope that people can come back and re-engage and like yes teams are are waiting for that six-man re-engage but it's like it's by no means the dominant strategy anymore or is this just a factor of the asian teams no i feel like every team needs to pull this out it's just like you have to get scrappy when you need to and every fight's not lost until it's officially like called off so yeah um I do feel like a lot of teams can't take stuff away from it. Uh, and that's just the way how it has to go. I'm excited for how the New York Excelsior are going to do. I, I've got, we got to see Jonak on um, the Zen this weekend too, which was exciting. Yeah, of course. Like that, that's always a treat to see. All right. So moving on to the mayhem versus the uprising. Um, the Boston's only win this season has been against uh, the Houston outlaws back when the Houston outlaws weren't getting the wins that they are doing right now. Um, Boston currently only have six players, right? That, that's that's they're yep. playing all the players that they have. Yep. Florida just also have been coming off of their surprising upset of the Paris Eternal, so um, I was expecting that this would there there'd be a Florida win here. I was not expecting the Boston Uprising to lose so badly again. Like this is. Like the three O's this weekend have been either very surprising or just like very nail biting. This was one of those just like it was surprising how easy it was for them. Like the this this stat came up. I even timed this. Like there the break was thirty minutes long in after mount after map two. That break was thirty minutes long. The first half of the game lasted about twenty something minutes. I think in total, the this has been the fastest matchup ever in Overwatch League history. In game, they only played twenty four minutes. Like, yeah, they they probably had to stall for a little bit or have technical issues. Technical I honestly issues, think it was apparently is what yeah. they were claiming it was. But yeah, it it's one of those things where you're just like, oh my god, like if you completely got stomped into the curb, um, that that's kind of Boston's like situation right now they only have six players so they have to play everyone but they, Dorado, they should the sign more people life from boston but that that was it like Dorado, like i they almost got full held on dorado but somehow managed to push it yeah i i just hope that you know they sign more players pretty soon so they don't just have uh you know they just don't get steamrolled every time mm-hmm. uh but yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes i mean like another stat the Mayhem got 122 final blows. The Uprising got 37. 
the entire time. It's like, I, 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 how, how is it possible to get rolled that hard? It, it shouldn't. Uh, it's called playing your players too much and having them be your only line of, of use here. It's really not helpful in a way. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And so for this match, Karayan got the player of the match. Um, if you need to know why, watch the Paris matchup with the Uprising attack. Karayan is able to hold the point by himself when he's outnumbered. Like, as a Reinhardt, that's very hard to do because you only have the hammer and really the fire strike. Um, yeah, Boston should not have let that happen. Question for you, Kevin. It's like, we, we've talked about this before and you've brought this up that the pair, the Boston Uprising are the team that they'll, they'll sign people and then they'll trade them out. Um, I don't see them getting better anytime soon. Um, do you think that maybe this, I don't want to say this, but like they're really not doing much in the league anyway. Do you think maybe it's time to just get rid of this franchise and maybe start up a different one? Like, put a team in Japan or something? Because, like... I wish. Honestly, like, this would, I wish. Terrible for the league, but, like, the Uprising are not doing anything for anybody. Yeah, the, the thing about the league right now, I feel like it is kind of in a very weird spot. Because um, a lot of the investors aren't getting their money back um, for trying to make this league work um, since the homestands were canceled. But at the same time, like teams need to kind of understand, like, oh wait, we need a new franchise here, or we need something here. Um, but yeah, honestly, if teams could leave, there probably a lot of them would be dropping right now. Um, and honestly, I I feel like that's okay if you let that happen. Um, just wait for Overwatch two, and don't make the same mistakes that you did during Overwatch League. Um, the, the best way here's, here's the thing that I want to push forward. Like there's a reason why a lot of these teams are in a kind of limbo, so to say, um, there's the teams that are owned and operated, um, in the Overwatch league are owned by bigger corporations or bigger like companies. Right. So, you, you know, like, uh, the London Spitfire owned by cloud nine, uh, NRG owns the San Francisco Shock. The Sentinels own the uh, LA Gladiators. They're not allowed to be the LA Sentinels. They're not allowed to be the NRG um, or the Cloud9. So they have to promote it through the Overwatch League. Um, and it's really not helping them out, like, add to their brand itself. So it's not even giving them some incentive to to do anything. So, mm-hmm. um Honestly, if Overwatch League has a season two, they should just do the same thing and allow them to be Cloud9. Let them let them be Cloud9. Let them be NRG. Uh, you don't have to make it team-based, like city-based. Like, I'm going to watch a team because I like the players on the team, not right. because, you know, they're from San Francisco. Like, I, I like the shock even if they, if they weren't going to be from San Francisco. Like, if they were just NRG, I'd still appreciate what they give. So... It's one of those things. Like it, it's cool that we have city-based model, but 
we're kind of falling into a pitfall with the way how it's kind of brought up and teams aren't really going to be pushing for it as much. So um, I hope that they, they take something away from this and allow them to name themselves a certain way. But at the same time, I do agree. Uh, Boston uprising need to either do something with their team or like the league just needs to pull them apart uh, and say like, you know what, this, this shouldn't exist. You know, it's kind of like the New York Knicks at right. the moment. I mean, if anything, like if you're going up against uh, the Boston Uprising, if they're going to play like this, I feel like the teams can treat it as like, this is an easy week, but you better not lose. You know, if they lose to the yeah. Uprising, then it's kind of sad at this point. But like, they don't seem like much of a threat. Uh, it could be the same way how the Shanghai Dragons were in season one where teams play one team especially hard just so they don't have to be that one team that lost to the 40 and O team, you know? Um, but at the same time, we're just like, man, it's fine. It's, it's totally fine. Um, but I mean, you just have to play the best that you can every week. At least then the dragons had like the goodwill and like, they were a favorite team of the league. Like people liked the dragons. Like, they still had a very dedicated vocal fan base, I think. And, like, they still had, like, the mo- some of the top-selling jerseys in the game even before Giggory. So, um, I also think that's a big difference between the Uprising and the Dragons. Like, the Uprising, like, they're, they don't have that kind of community love. Okay, so now we go to what I think is probably – the most exciting matchup of the weekend, the only one that wasn't a 3-0, the Outlaws versus Fuel, the Battle of Texas. And now this one went to the five. This was a 3-2, and it went uh, yeah, it went all the way to the last map of Oasis. Um, if anything, I would take away that these teams are both – they've both been on the rise. The Dallas Fuel have definitely had some big wins. The Outlaws are showing that they're no longer – uh, a completely pushover team. Um, but there's still, I, I think what we can learn from this is that they're still not on the level of, of a top tier team. They're still, they're still working their way there. They still both had a lot of very key mistakes. Um, I like to pick on Muma because I, I think that as a tank, as a tank man, I, I play those heroes that he plays except for the Winston, but like, when he was playing the Hammond and he was playing the Winston, he was fine. Um, his Reinhardt was a bit shaky this week again. He was still – he did better, um, but he still I, – I don't think he's yet able to distance his mentality playing a Reinhardt as he is playing a more diving hero like a Hammond in a Winston. He still was able to get caught out by himself fairly easily. Um there was too much distance between him and the other members of his team that like the fuel could, could wall him off. Like if you look at the last point university on Oasis, um, that was, that was when you really needed to play cohesively as a team. Muma still too far ahead, gets walled off and killed instantly. And the outlaws just, this happens multiple times. The outlaws never have the chance to get back in there as a team and re-engage because Muma's getting caught out. And I think other teams are starting to recognize that once Muma falls, then the outlaws don't have that shielding protection. Yeah, 
Yeah, the both of these teams are up on the rise, but there are still some careless mistakes that uh, prevent them from, you know, like moving forward and becoming great. So honestly, the one thing that I was keeping up with in terms of this matchup was the Twitter battle. Like they, they were both pretty savage to each other. It's so funny. it was so good. It like it, it started out with uh, the outlaw saying, oh, did you just steal this logo from this like cheap propane place? And they're like just sending question marks. And then uh, they answered back with, wait, you schools can't even allow you to wear their jerseys at school. So they just got mad at them. And then they're just like, well, all right. They, there's just a whole bunch of just Twitter flame going back and forth. And it was it was great. But honestly, like. In terms of the actual play here, um, the Houston Outlaws are playing a lot cleaner, and so is the Dallas Fuel. Um, once again, there are some mistakes that are preventing them from being like 100% clean, but I do know that both these teams are on the up and up. Oh, yeah. So they are going to be interesting to see coming later down the line if there is another matchup like that. Um, just like we're going to see the, the mayhem versus the uh, uprising again next week. So uh, maybe there will be some changes there, but honestly, yeah. like, if we do see the Battle of Texas again, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one. Yeah, um, Decay got this uh, player of the match for his him really carrying the fuel with his McCree and Genji plays. Um, if you want to see how hard he carried with that Genji, watch Ilios on Ruins. The, the nano bladed Genji just decimated anything that the Alos threw at him. They didn't really have any answers. Um, but I honestly I would have given it to um, to Blase for playing on the Doomfist because I think um, the Outlaws did have, have good plays on their own, but I think I think that Blase on that Doomfist came in when the Outlaws really needed the push, and he, he gave that to them. Without his Doomfist being able to get the quick engages and kills, then um, it would have been a lot harder for this to have gone the distance. But eh, not, my, not my pick. Also, maybe Mecco I would have given it to because um, – a lot of very key um, eats and contests from Mecco on the Diva, but um, that's not to say that Decay did not deserve it. Okay, so let's look into what the future is going to be for the league. So this week's hero bans were Echo, Tracer, Arisa, and Moira. A lot of people were complaining that Echo was banned this week, but I mean, the fact of the matter was that like Echo wasn't even eligible to be played. So... Um, now that Echo, I think, is finally able to be played as a, as a hero, um, she's, there's no way she can be banned, no matter how many people are playing her in, in non-league comp games. So she's definitely going to be in. I hope to see her. Do you think we're going to see her? For sure. I, I honestly think that she's going to be played. There's very little answers to Echo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. So, like, I mean, the only thing that I think people were questioning is um mercy is banned mercy is i didn't think we'd ever see a mercy ban but we did the ana was at 78.8 mercy was the second place at 31.8 and then it was lucio 27.3 brig 19.5 i was expecting the ana to be banned and um but it's mercy um the question is is that are we going to see echo because we can't see the mercy echo pair like we see uh the pharmacy pair but i honestly i don't think echo needs it like Echo has enough, um, yeah, her flight's a little bit predictable, but she has enough just burst damage output and she does 
as long as you time it right, you can get the quick escape. But I think she has enough in her kit that Farah doesn't have that you don't really need the mercy to be pocketing the entire time. If anything, like, just keep sight of your brig and get the armor packs or get the, the Zen orb or whatever. But, like, I don't think that the mercy is going to really affect not having the echo just from what I've seen on how pros are playing it. Yeah, honestly, with, with mercy out, all this means is that the Ana or the Zen have to keep tabs on where Echo is. Um, and that's really not that bad. Like if, if an Ana, if if Echo needs healing, just dip down a bit, let the let the Ana shoot you once. We're gonna see a ton of Ana though. We're gonna see Ana Lucio probably. But it we we are for sure gonna see Ana picked if the Echo is gonna get played. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is another good week for for Ash. Ash is probably right. going to be another good pickup. Um, but yeah, without what well, May's still going to be in the pool. So I feel like it's going to be Ash May potentially as counter picks to Echo. Um, well, yeah, we we'll don't see have where... clear a widow this week. So you don't really have to worry too much about the hit scans. I don't think teams are really going to be playing a 76 either. So it's, it's pretty much going to just going to be the Ash you really have to worry about. Right. Yeah. And, and another thing about Echo is like, if Echo is going to be played, no one plays Diva because Diva, essentially, they get two free like, you know, self destructs if they if they have their own Diva as well. It's just so much to worry about. Um, so I I don't think it's gonna it's gonna work. Um, so you're gonna see a lot of really weird off tank picks this week. So yeah, this week the DPS ban was McCree at twenty six five point six. Ash 25.3, Hanzo 16.3, and Widow at 16.2. So, which means unfortunately, no seeing links for this week, as we talked about in our, our new segment. Um, our tanks ban this week was Arisa. Um, pretty much every tank gets played. Like this happened last week too. Like if you take one out, the rest are just gonna get thrown in there. Um, Ryan was at 33.2, Sigma 29.7, Zarya at 26.4. Hammond 25.1, Winston at 23.5, Orisa at 19.1, and um, it was Hammond this week that got the ban, so um, good luck to the Chengdu Hunters. Okay, so let's talk about, let's go into the schedule really quickly before we talk about, again, about the, the new tournament rules. Um, is it 10 again? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, it's, so it's like I guess it's officially just the two days of 10 matches. Um, so starting on Saturday, the Charge versus the Dynasty, Excelsior versus the Dragons, the Fuel versus the Justice, and the Valiant versus the Rain, and the Outlaws versus the Shock. Sunday, it's going to be the Dynasty versus the Spark, Hunters versus the Excelsior, Fusion versus Eternal, Mayhem versus Uprising, and Defiant versus the Gladiators. I'm excited personally to see NYXL versus the Dragons. That's my top match of the week. Yeah, there's a couple of really good matches this week. For sure, the the Dragons versus the XL. That's going to be a really good one. Um, I'm also interested in, you know, the Shock and the Outlaws. That's probably going to be another good one. And then, obviously, uh, Philly versus Paris is going to be another really good matchup. People keep ranking Paris low. I'm surprised by that. Like, people are doing their their power rankings right now, and like, at the top is always Philly, San Francisco, the Dragons. Um, 
maybe like the people are ranking the rain higher than the eternal i find that surprising i think the eternal like yes they lost to florida but i think in general they're still one of the top three teams that we've seen really play like san francisco we haven't seen play as much um they've been playing against the la teams so it's it's a very limited pool but right now i think my top three are the fusion the eternal and the dragons so i think people are still sleeping on the eternal yeah i do agree with that as well like the eternal are just doing things in a very interesting way um but yeah honestly uh, they they should be ranked that low. They they deserve a spot. They're they're really good. At least at least top four. No, I don't think they should go any lower than top four. But anyway, going into the new tournament structure that was announced. Um, again, we talked about this a little bit in our last episode. But uh, John Spector is the VP of the Overwatch League. Talked with Sully about this at the very end of this week's matches. Um, and so for the upcoming month of May, it's all going to be pretty much focused on this tournament. The first three weekends of May are going to be focused on um, placing each other in, in the seeds of this tournament, getting ranks. So um, all about placement. Obviously, the better you do, the, the more advantageous it's going to be. It's because um, the higher ranked teams in this are going to be able to pick who their opponents are. So... Um, sucks to suck for the lower teams there's going to be 13 teams in the north american bracket and the seven teams in the asian bracket and they're playing for a, a the grand prize is forty thousand, but there's um there's potential to get more because with each win that you get you get five thousand dollars and you add three wins to your record um i'm not really sure how much the wins add to um the the incentive to win i i know that specter talked about how the teams wanted some some competitive component to to winning these mid-season tournaments um but just like add it three wins yes when you really think about it is a lot but it's just i think it's a weird thing to add as an incentive to win because i mean i think that the teams that dominate are going to be dominant already like they don't i don't think they really need that extra boost yeah, I honestly don't think either, but it, if they are trying to do that in order to even out some scores into, you know, later on in the year, I, I guess, but I really don't see the need for adding the wins to the record. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, honestly, I do like the way how this is being played out. Um, it's going to give a lot of teams some incentive to keep playing and also kind of gives them motivation in the middle of the year. Yeah. I do want, I do have to tip my hat to the Overwatch League. Like there was the huge, they, they were planning something big for this midseason tournament and Corona obviously took that out, but they were able to figure out, um, they were able to figure out a, a replacement in a fairly quick amount of time. Um, and it's not, it's not the million that they were originally going to give out for the midseason tournament. Um, hopefully they're going to have more tournaments where they can still give out the money. So it's still, an incentive to win because like a million dollars is definitely something that you're going to play your heart out to win it 40,000 isn't the same um it, it's not the same draw but it's still a lot the north american teams playing are of course the defiant the eternal the fusion the gladiators the justice the mayhem the outlaws the rain the shock the uprising and the valiant and now the asian um bracket has expanded to include seven teams now that some teams have re- uh, relocated so it's the Charge, the Dragons, the Dynasty, the NYXL, the Hunters, the Spark, and the Spitfire. Um, 
who do you think is going to come out on top on both of these divisions? I'm putting Philly on top of the North American one, and I'm putting the Dragons on top of Asia. Maybe NYXL. I think the NYXL might, if they play like they did to, uh, this weekend, they might have a chance. But I th- still think the Dragons are going to take it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I feel like the Fusion are definitely going to be sitting on top here um, for the NA spot. Um, followed by either uh, the Rain, the Eternal, or the, the Shock, like somewhere up there. Um, then Asia teams, yeah, the, the Dragons or the NYXL are going to sit there. They're just too good in this region. So uh, we'll see how it goes for them. And also, the next week is going to be interesting because now um, they finally worked it out that all the teams in North America can play against each other. So it's going to be going back to what we're used to in the Overwatch League. It's not just going to be the LA teams playing against the LA teams. It's not just going to be um, Paris and Philly facing off for eternity. Um, so I'm excited to see if there's like a difference in style between like we talked about the difference in style between America and um, Asia or Korean play versus Chinese play. Um, I'm interested to see if there's a difference, if we can notice anything between um, East v. West. Yeah, I, I do feel like there is going to be a difference in play style mentality when it comes to this. Um, especially in the Asia region, you're going to get a lot of really like interesting dynamics coming into it. I feel like if, if they really wanted to, the, the Titans could have just stayed in Asia and slipped into that 14th slot there <laughs> if they wanted to play in this midseason tournament. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do understand if they wanted to go back to Vancouver. It might be an easier, easier sit for them. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in this week to our our gameplay section. Any last parting words of wisdom from Coach Kevin? Uh yeah, aren't you Ruby? If you're listening, uh thanks. Uh I didn't shove it down your throat at all, but thank you guys for listening. Uh if anything, focus on your comms and figuring out what you guys want to do. Um for the Overwatch community, don't worry. Overwatch is not completely dead, even if like MVP is is leaving. You have a lot to still like look forward to. There this game is still for everyone and Valorant is not going to be for everyone. You know you're going to have your certain groups here and there. Um, so honestly, like, it's not the end of the world. Uh, like, even if I'm dabbling in it a little bit, that's just for a career move. I still love Overwatch. Uh, it is going to be an interesting game uh, as long as we keep the games interesting uh, and people are still watching the league and you know the community will still stay alive. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll come back to you next week and see... We'll see how these tournaments are going, the placements are going, and see how the the first NA cross-country play goes. So, um, yeah, thanks. uh, See you next week. Next week, we return to cross-continent play for the league as the teams prepare for the upcoming tournament. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.